Sir, we can't call it the Enterprise. This is We Can't Call It The Enterprise, a podcast not about Star Trek. I'm Valerie. And I'm Scott. Hey Val. Hey Scott. What are we doing right now? We're looking at each other during. (laughs) We sure are. Here in Val's San Francisco apartment. Been quite a couple days. Feels like longer. I've been sleeping on the floor. Well, on a mattress on the floor. You uh, don't even have five roommates, so you're already coming out ahead. For <laughs> for uh, two nights, so that's good. We had Taco Bell this morning. How are you feeling about that, Val? This is the first time um, we've had Taco Bell. <laughs> what was it like? Concerning. It was better in some ways, it was worse than others. Have you gone to the bathroom yet? I have, but I don't think that... Um, Payload of tips. Okay. Well, let me know when it does. <laughs> so I can go to the airport. <laughs> oh, Christ. Uh, okay. So what do we what do we got on the docket for today, Val? Um, aside from drinking wine out of these mugs. Um, what was the episode that we watched today? I completely forget because I don't have my notebook. Can't, I short... It's called it's called a short candle or something like that. Brief candle, I think actually. Yeah, it's a Shakespeare quote. Yeah, brief candle, season one, episode nine. The episode where Colonel O'Neill gets space gonorrhea and gets old really quick. (laughs) Kind of wanted to call the episode something along the lines of STD on Planet Greece, but I appreciate how it doesn't roll off the tongue. (laughs) We'll table it for now. Okay. So we have, uh, we've got the, the crew who goes through the Stargate and they end up, you know, in, uh, yeah, on a planet that looks kind of like, uh, what are those Greek islands that everybody goes on vacation to? It starts with an S, I think. Um, only S thing that comes to mind in the Mediterranean is Sicily and that's certainly not it. I mean, what it really looks like is it looks like the square room that they put sand and some statues in. Yeah, that's true. They have that square room, the square Stargate room that they can fill with different props to signify what kind of planet it's going to be. I I almost wonder if it's not them moving a Stargate around, but in fact they've baked a Stargate pedestal into a room and they just have to decorate it differently every time. Santorini. They're on the planet Santorini, which ordinarily would be pretty nice. I mean, everybody's even partying. Like, it's definitely this. This would be. Um, let's let's not get too ahead on the partying. Although it certainly is a uh, rough party going on in Santorini. Yeah. So they enter, um, interrupting some kind of. Looks like a ceremony initially, or someone pleading to the god. And there's a woman who is imminently going to give birth, and apparently is not doing too well with it. And yeah. The uh. Throw to title is pretty much a big like close up on their faces, panicked as they don't know what to do about it. Yeah, a bunch of aliens come through. You're trying to give birth in front of the statue of your god, and then a whole bunch of aliens come through the giant ring. Yeah, that would be pretty traumatic. Like you're like, uh, excuse me, this room is occupied. 
Yeah, like, it's already a tough enough day as it is. Yeah, seriously. So, Sam and Daniel mostly ineptly manage to help. Yeah, I like how everybody looks at Carter. Like, well, you... You, you, you know how to do this, right? You're a... You have the parts. I thought that was really fun acting, the way that she was just, like, so... <laughs> Not not just indignant, but like freaked out because she just had all that pressure on her. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> look, I could not do this, guys. You all just looked at me. I am not doing this. <laughs> and so basically, Daniel ends up doing it. Yeah, Daniel revealed that he helped midwife once, and that puts him as best qualified HD <laughs> member to deliver babies. You basically just have to be able to catch. That's what I think it's about. Make sure the baby doesn't hit the ground. It did seem like his strategy was catch and hope. Yeah, exactly. That's pretty much, like, I, I think I would probably be one of those guys that passes out, to be honest. If I had to look at that, did I tell you about how sex ed is in the States? Um, you have not. Basically, I want to know, especially what Arizona sex ed Yeah, is. so Arizona sex ed, basically, you, you put a bunch of 8th graders, a bunch of 8th grade boys in a room together. Once Auto- automatic recipe for, success. For about, <laughs> for about an hour. And basically, uh, they, they give you a bunch of statistics that are meant to scare you. Um, and then, uh, they make you watch a video of a woman giving birth. Did you have the woman giving birth video in Canada? I believe so. It was in like 10th grade science class. It was, it was a very weird video. Yeah, it was very weird. Anyway, they showed us, they showed us that video. Oh, it it was the, it was the most messed up thing that I've ever seen so yeah, this group, you know, this this group of like fifty eighth grade boys all watch this this VHS tape of a woman giving birth, and then they're essentially like, "Yeah, just don't have sex." Worf, is this your idea of sex? <laughs> and that's sex ed. That's sex ed in Arizona. Yep. Anyway. And so you followed their advice, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Of course I did. <laughs> yep. Um, Maybe so switch I, up a bit closer to the microphone. So anyway, uh, D- Daniel delivers uh, the baby. Um, does a lot better than I would have done. Um, and the baby ends up being named after uh, after Daniel. Yep, and as the as the scene ends, they have a little uh, Chekhov's birthmark show up. A Chekhov's birthmark? Yep. What's a Chekhov's birthmark? I feel like I should know this. You know Chekhov's gun, right? Like the? Are we talking about Star Trek Chekhov? Oh no! Are you playing? Are you playing dumb, or am I gonna like explain like intro to cinematic theory here? I think you're going to explain intro to cinematic theory to me. Okay, Chekhov's gun is a very classic film trope. It was named after like a certain playwright along the lines of if you have like a gun or something shown to be in your film, by the end it has to be fired. The idea being that like if anything kind of incongruous is present or especially focused on, it needs to come back. So 
like saying Chekhov's something is a bit of a joke to refer to like a very clear punch in and hint that something will come back. Because with the birthmark, they like comment on it and zoom in on it really close. So we know that birthmark is going to like turn out to be something or going to be used to ID the kid or something later. Yeah, okay. I see what you mean. Yeah, so we get we get a Chekhov's gun with this birthmark on the baby's arm. Um, and then they go out into like a little fest, a little Santorini uh, fest. And this is basically, what's the Star Trek vacation planet? Uh, Riza. This could be Riza, if not for the terrible curse. <laughs> one, one could argue that Riza probably had that problem before the advent of modern medicine. Which problem? Having space STDs. Yeah, space STDs. Yeah, going to be a big problem on Riza. Imagine, though, in Riza's case, that's where, that's where everyone goes, like... You're going to get all kinds of new shit happening. Yeah, yeah. Like the, you know, the STDs of thousands of different worlds, all centralized in one place that makes the super space STD. I wonder what it would do to you. You would, like, be turned inside out from your butt or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm just trying to think of, like, the worst possible thing. Can you imagine... Be, being turned inside out from your butt. I'd like to thank everyone for, for listening to the first and only 10 episodes or so of the show. <laughs> All right, whatever, Val. You thought it was funny. I saw it in your eyes. There's no hiding from me because we're both right here. And you've been putting up with me for two days. <laughs> All right. So anyway, everybody, everybody notes uh, that everyone on space on like Stargate Riza is a cute hottie. Yeah, everyone's everyone's like under forty. Mostly, they honestly look in their twenties. Everyone's everyone's white. Everyone's buff. Everyone's thin. Yeah, it's kind of like Australia. <laughs> oh, it is not like Australia. <laughs> Why not? I think every every like third person that was in Australia had a pot belly. Yeah, I guess. Feels like alright, alright, I guess we're back to Santorini. So we're in Santorini. Uh and then Jack is offered a cake. Yeah, he's off I was I was doing a little bit of head scratching trying to figure out what it was. It reminded me almost of flat donuts. Like it was it was flat, it was bready, and it was glazed, and it was pieces. Yeah, I think it had flowers. I was clearly hungry too. when I was watching this scene. How? We just went to Taco Bell. All the more reason to dream of real food. Oh, whatever, Val. You... I can't believe you haven't had Taco Bell before today. I don't eat fast food much, and, like, it's not a thing in Victoria. All right. Well, um, this... So this uh, wedding cake is actually, uh, like, an edible. Yeah, so Jack doesn't know that this is a wedding cake. He's just passed this plate and then told not to share it because it's all for him when he offers it to the rest of the crew. So he, he eats this, and immediately we get a few kind of fun camera punch-ins where clearly he's a bit addled. Did I tell you about the time I ate the Viagra brownie in Morocco? Oh, God. <laughs> Wait, have I not told you this story? What the fuck is a Viagra brownie? <laughs> well, I thought it was a weed brownie, but it actually had Viagra in it. Okay, okay, so, like, I, I can put those two concepts together. I know what the thing is. 
But what I can't possibly comprehend is the reason for making this thing exist. Okay, I'm going to have to explain this, I think. Please. <laughs> okay. So, I went to I went to Morocco when I was when I lived in Spain, I took a little trip down to Morocco and See, see all of your disasters <laughs> start with I took a trip and <laughs> <laughs> so, you don't do this shit when you're at home. <laughs> no, of course not. This is what vacations are for. Okay, so here's what happened. So I went on November 1st. And do you know how I remember it was November 1st, Val? No, please tell me. Because the previous night was Halloween and I was absolutely destroyed. <laughs> so And I was so destroyed, Val, that when I came home from my, part, my Halloween party at like 3 a.m. and my flights at like 5 or 10 a.m., I uh, decided that it would be the perfect time to do the laundry. So I put all of my clothes in the washing machine, uh, wash them, and then promptly pass out. So when I woke up, I had to put my wet clothes into the suitcase. <laughs> <laughs> so Dickie, wish if you want to do laundry, don't let it wait until like 6 p.m. <laughs> Yeah, don't don't let it wait until you literally are hours away from having to get on an airplane and also you're like 11 out of 10 drunk. <laughs> <laughs> so so that's how this trip begins. So I uh, make it to Morocco and like you know it's it's absolutely terrifying. I have this I have this note from my friend Marina who I I have like a bit of a bit of a crush on. Um, and this is who I'm visiting in Morocco. Um, then we're going to go to a beach town called Aswario. It's like a surf town in Morocco. But, you know, I have, you know, Morocco is like a bit of a sketch place. So I have this piece of paper from Marina that's like, uh, that I printed out. It's like, you know, well, try and take the train. Uh, the trains, I don't think, ever run in Morocco. I just don't think that they actually work. So, uh, I have to take a cab and I see this thing that's like, do not get in a car unless it's a red cab. The cabs are red. They're this make of car. If it's not a red make of this car, it's not a taxi. Do not get inside. You will, you will be like abducted. And so of course I walk out of the airport. There's no red cabs, but there is a group of people screaming in Arabic at me. And I, you know, get in a, of course a random car. So it was and then like and then I remember I remember this guy I'm like I need to go here and I'm like pointing at like this address I have no idea where it is I'm like literally in the middle of a Morocco airport um I'm like pointing at this piece of paper like I need to go here and he's like yeah yeah he looks at the piece of paper he's like yeah yeah and then he like screams uh in Arabic to a bunch of the people outside also screaming in Arabic and uh I have no idea what they're saying. We eventually, like, you know, I managed to get to Casablanca. We go on this, this bus ride from Casablanca to Aswaria, and, like, we stop. Oh, my God. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, I saw real poverty on that bus ride. I will tell you that much. Um, but we finally managed to get to Aswaria, beach town. And me and Marina decided to go... Uh, on a walk along the beach and there's this guy selling baked goods and he's like, Oh yeah, these are special brownies, you know? And he like winks at me. <laughs> these are special wink brownies. And we're like, yeah, yeah, I'll have some special brownies. Definitely. And so the thing is like, there's, there's these weird, there's like, um, Morocco has like a lot of spices, right? Mm -hmm. 
Um, and one of the spices, there's this root that I think is the basis of Viagra. And it says, you know, it's it's got the name in Arabic and French. And then under it, it's the only spice. It has this big sign that says Viagra um, written on like paper. And I see this at like all the different spice shops of which there are tons and all these bazaars. So you go into like a tea shop and they're always trying to give you this Viagra tea. You're like, I don't really want it. So this guy sells us a special brownie. Of course, we think it's a weed brownie. And uh, yeah, it was definitely a Viagra brownie. <laughs> I will tell you that. And if you, so yeah, walking along the beach with Marina and I'm like, Marina, we have to go back to the hotel. I need to change pants because, you know, I'm wearing like a bathing suit and I have, so I changed into jeans. And so, so yeah, anyway, we get back to the hotel and it's actually flooded because the toilet, the toilet broke and there's like, you know, three inches of water. And that wasn't you that time. The toilet? Yeah. No, not that time. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, that's how I ended up eating a Viagra brownie in Morocco. <laughs> yeah. So if you check the Morocco pictures, there's a picture. There's like a picture of me on a beach in Morocco wearing jeans in front of a camel. And they were wet jeans, too, because of... <laughs> so, like, you're welcome here anytime you give me notice and I'm not, like, out of my mind busy. I don't think we're ever going to travel together. Because every, every time you go traveling somewhere... <laughs> yeah, but think it's about... It's just such a roll of the danger dice. Think about... that's That doesn't even get into how we were, you know, because everybody... I feel like everybody in Morocco is a con artist. They love tourists. Um... So I didn't even tell you about like the, you know, the evening that we had after this, <laughs> which I'm not going to get into now, but that's a whole other <laughs> can of worms. This is just the beginning of my trip to Morocco. One of the more eventful ones. It was fucked. <laughs> but yeah, we'll, we'll cover we that. that we'll cover that later. I'm sure there'll be an appropriate time. Anyway... So Jack eats his Viagra brownie, and Jack gets high. Yeah, he gets he gets pretty high. The team doesn't totally notice how adult he is. He gets kind of yanked away. A woman dances at him. I think is kind of the best. It was like way a to phrase that kind of a lap dance in a way. Kind of yeah. So yeah, and then O'Neill, um, yeah, they totally do it. Yeah. The team kind of comments on it, but not enough to, like, make sure that he's okay. Yeah. I thought that was a little weird. Yeah. That I figured they would they would have put up more of a fuss mm-hmm. if they saw him being dragged away into some private place. I mean, the, the number of times where someone's gotten kidnapped in this show is huge like i think we've only met the criteria for the gang gets kidnapped once yeah almost every episode it happens to someone yeah yeah but uh well you you would think that the the other the other three would just kind of bust in like they have all these guns they're like no you're not like you're not just taking jack from us who knows what you're gonna do to him so you know anyway who knows maybe he got a spanking (laughs) (laughs) Oh Christ! Yeah, so they um, 
pull Jack away, the SG team comments, but doesn't really do anything. And there's kind of this ominous line before it transitions to the next scene of, I think it's like the OG guy when they were standing in the gate room initially, comments about how the creator gave them a hundred days of happiness. Yep, a hundred blissful days. Yeah, and there's kind of the ominous closing, which means that surely it's not just that there's a party for a hundred days and everyone goes back to their normal lives. Something else is going to happen with that. So Jack wakes up addled in a bed with that woman, and he's pretty out of it. He clearly didn't really follow or intend what happened last night to happen. The team kind of wanders in, and he notices that everyone's just down for the count. They don't seem to be dead, but they're not responding to anything. They're just totally out. Yeah, which is like if everybody has just been on a 100-day bender, you'd kind of understand that. I would anyway. may, may I say that sleep was a little bit peaceful for a 100-day bender? Speaking of someone who went on a one-day bender. Yeah, you're not wrong about that. But maybe they're just very well-practiced. They've been doing this for many, many generations. They've got it down. Anyway, um, so yeah, Jack, they, you know, like everybody falls asleep and the team gets a few minutes with Jack before he also falls asleep. Yeah, they theorize that he was drugged and basically as they're theorizing it, he suddenly kind of crumples over and makes a quip about how they can only eat rations from then on. Yeah, um, yeah, so then, uh, yeah, then we get like the wake up scene. So Jack wakes up hungover, um, and then we cut to Daniel getting a history lesson from the guy. Yeah, so Jack wakes up same time as all the other villagers, so suddenly they're all good. I have to say, hungover Jack, quite quite the mood. Yeah, we've all been there, especially me. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, of course. Um, so yeah, Daniel gets a history lesson, Teal'c is there. And Teal'c uh, enters a combination into the base of the statue. There's some buttons, and they find a space book. So that's that's a very rushed way to put it. They have a talk with um, the guy who I guess is the main guy by means of being in the Stargate room at the right time. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a legend that they were taken across the stars by a god because the god loved them so much. Um, I don't think they address the 100 Days thing yet. And Teal'c does... What's now, I'm calling it his patented Tilk move of, oh, hang on, by the way, I know vital information that I did not volunteer earlier. Yeah, I wonder, we should probably be keeping track of those because it does seem to be a bit of a pattern. This is, I'm pretty sure this is at least the third time that I've brought it up. Yeah, and he always, they always actually make a point of bringing it up in the episode too. And he's always like, well, you didn't ask. Yeah, it's it's very strange judgment on his part. It's that he could um, just manage to decipher the language that it was like a Google dialect. Yeah. So, anyhow, they find a yet you know they find a rock um, that changes. Yeah, they find instructions to open up a little cabinet safe that has a literal tablet where the Gould had a history record of the planet. And the record, um, I believe, specifically implied that there was an experiment going on on the people. Yeah, so Pelops is using people kind of as uh, 
fruit flies because they uh they'll grow old and die sooner uh so they can go through many generations at once and you know who knows really why he's doing this mostly because he's evil yeah so while this is going on sam is hanging out on the beach collecting samples definitely definitely relate to sam just kind of screwing around with mud on the beach that's the kind of child i was sometimes yeah but um the woman comes up to her and offers to introduce her to baby daniel and sam's a little bit confused because the woman has an infant who is clearly not a baby yeah but and after some back and forth there's the dramatic punch in on Chekhov's birthmark. Yes. Proving that it is indeed the same child who's now aged substantially. Yeah. So we have a, we have like a th- you know three or four year old kid who uh, is actually just one day old, um, and Daniel th- Daniel decides that this is probably a virus, and he thinks that it's basically a space STD, space gonorrhea, or space chlamydia. Yeah, they have some they have some exposition discussion with the locals where they find out that the locals just age drastically quickly. That kind of aging is totally normal to them, and they have only a hundred days to live. Yeah. Um, so that hundred days isn't isn't just a party. No, that's it. That's it for them. And I, you know, I don't know. I wonder. I wonder what would it, what it would be like to just live for a hundred days. Would I be happy? Like if you if you didn't, if you didn't know that you were supposed to live longer, do you think that we would be happier if we only had a hundred days to live? I don't think I would be. I already feel like I don't have enough time to do everything I want to do. Yeah, I don't think. I don't think that that would make me like a happier or better person that lives in the moment. I think it would ju- it would be the same, just less of it. Um. Yeah. So they kind of regroup and discuss this. The gold is accelerating aging in what they think is an attempt to better understand human evolution because the gold obviously have a very high investment in human physiology. Yeah. It's uh it's their apartments that we're talking about here. Yeah. Daniel thinks that it's something that's viral. I don't recall the exact reasoning for his theory, but he extends that to the fact that um Jack is clearly infected because he now has the same sleeping behavior as they do. Yeah. Um, so dramatic, dramatic punch in, or at least a metaphorical punch in, as everyone realizes that Jack now has a very quickly ticking clock. Yeah. So um, they they head back to the to Earth at this point, excluding Jack. Um. And Sam and Janet discover that um, Jack has more of the more of the whatever the virus is because he's older. And I think um, they also discover that these are machines. At this point, no, no, that's that's later. So they they discover that Jack has more of the virus because he's older and that already like he got infected when he was already old. And so 
Yeah, so the takeaway is he's going to be aged equivalently or faster from his current age. So he doesn't just have 100 days, he has something in the realm of like two months. I think it was 14 days, yeah. So they head back and, you know, Jack's already looking older. Um, already looking a bit more like a grandpa, like he aged up to like late 50s. Yeah, a little, like little bit of burlap on that face. Yeah, a little bit. Um, I mean, that being said, Jack has, he doesn't seem to have any intention of giving up. He's very clearly like, nope, you guys, you guys have to fix this for me. Like he's, you know. Yeah, there's, there's kind of a nice turnaround with that because the team wants to like bring in equipment, set up a lab and Jack convinces them they all have to go back, even Tilk, who is immune. And it kind of sounds like it's just him giving up, but he makes it very clear that like he wants them to be not at risk and that they're most effective and that they damn well better come back with the cure. Yep. So it's a very O'Neill way of dealing with things. Yeah, I thought so too. Um, and then when they head back and take another look at the virus, Sam discovers that they're actually machines. Um, we get some kind of cutting in and out that Stargate does, kind of switching between the two stories. Um, actually, they really like having 20-second scenes back-to-back-to-back sometimes. Yeah, and this is kind of that part of the episode. Um, O'Neill is seen, is shown having a tough time. He's yelling at the statue. He's not being nice to his wife that has been married to for two or three days. And he's old. I specifically made a... This is when uh, they revealed the marriage cake thing. Prior to that, we only knew that it was what drugged him. But the woman kind of sullenly goes, but you ate the marriage cake. Which, I mean... In a way, I was going to say it seems like a cool tradition that just like you give someone a cake as as a wedding offering. Like that's that's pretty neat. But at the same time, that feels very uh, sneaky. Yeah. I, mean, I guess if you grow up there, you know the significance of it. I mean, yeah. she's 21 days old. Well, we can give her a break. She didn't know. She doesn't know anything. 21 days old. I found a lot of that stuff very creepy, especially Jack's like whiplash turnaround to being into her and giving her that attention. Yeah, that was a little weird, wasn't it? It, like, it, A, it felt weird, and B, it felt weird out of character. Yeah, I agree. I'm not, I'm not sure that Jack would actually have been very into, very into her because, you know, she's 21 days old. That's fucked. I mean, it raises a bizarre question, like, reading too far deep into the mechanics of the episode, how is it that they are continuously gaining, like, generalized cognitive abilities and generalized knowledge as they age? Yeah. Because we, they're they're very naive, but... that We also know, though, that they can't read, because Daniel's like, well, what does this text say? And he's like, well, what's text? <laughs> um... But, you know, they can talk just fine and walk and, you know, make wedding cakes. Yep. So, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if we think about that, that we're going to end up in any sense of a no, that's, logical place. That's a very deep well that I believe has no bottom in it. Yeah, I think we just have to accept. <laughs> we just have to accept that uh, that's how this is. Yeah, so Jack is getting 
really pissed off because he wants other people to understand how fucked this planet is and she isn't quite prepared to hear that about her god. What does God need with a starship? So I think she actually storms off at the end of that scene. Yeah, he, he tells her that uh, we're definitely not in love. Uh, we're basically living in a petri dish here. Love takes time. And we don't, you know, one day is not what, what time, you know, is. And then we, we flip back to Carter. And uh, the, the nanites, apparently, it's a smart virus. Um, and they try to escape from Carter by eating through her gloves. That scene really confused me. We see we see Carter like handling it in one of those enclosures with gloves on the side and then suddenly the gloves disintegrate. She yanks her hands out, like slams a cover over, hits an alarm button. And my big question to you is how is it that the gloves got eaten off instantaneously and yet she's just fine? Maybe they didn't get all the way through the gloves. She, like, dropped the gloves in. They fell apart. I just... I feel like they could have directed that scene differently in a way that made it much more clear that they were, like, intelligent and capable of doing things without skipping over what felt like it was introducing a subplot of, oh, no, they're loose in the lab. Hmm... When I watched it, I completely thought, uh-oh, shit, they've got Carter, they're loose. And I was very confused when none of that was addressed. Yeah, I, yeah I'm yeah, i not sure. Um... So meanwhile, because we're constantly scene-hopping, we get two pretty quick back-to-back scenes with Jack. One where he's um, talking to the guy whose name I didn't write down because I always forget names. And he convinces him to, like, go out on a walk past the bounds that they're not allowed to go past because nothing really matters. The guy kind of seems to half believe Jack, but isn't totally bought in. Jack's trying to inspire him with what he could possibly do with such like many, many lifetimes compared to what he expects to have. And then there's also another creepy scene with his wife. I don't even remember anything in it other than it's creepy and they have a kiss on like the Stargate pedestal. Yeah. Dangerously close to where the event horizon forms, may I add. Yeah, they're making out, like, you know, it's like a 20, you know, 20, what, three-day-old making out with this, you know, 90-year-old. And, like, you would think, actually, that by now, even some of the other uh, people would start looking different. Like, shouldn't Jack's wife look like she's in her 30s now? Yeah. Because it's been a couple of days? they really copped out on the other makeup. I mean, granted, we didn't have a good sense of time. We were only aware of, like, two, three days going by. So it's possible that it was just Jack aging super, super fast. But I guess. I guess. But, I mean, Jack Jack eventually does um, start getting through to everybody. So before that happens, we have, like... this. This is just such whiplash going through these notes because there's a scene where there's like only one thing that happens and there's a scene that only one thing happens for quite a few minutes so we have a jump back to um the usual kind of like pissy briefing where they're trying to convince the general not to do something in this case the general wants to he's he's funny phrasing it was like incinerate and then crush yeah, and and you know what's happening here though is General Hammond is having a flashback to the caveman virus. 
<laughs> and he's having a flashback to how awkward the conversation was with the president where he was like, yep, um, let a virus through the Stargate. Uh, people are turning into cavemen down here. So uh, just stay up there, okay? And and there's like still, you know, in the background in, in General Hammond's office, there's like there's like stacks of, of, of paper that are like as tall as he is and he's still dealing with that paperwork yeah like he's he's already <laughs> got to fill out the incident forms now yeah, for, exactly. like the incident <laughs> in the lab and he's just and he, <laughs> he's, he's just looking at that stuff going oh he's, shit he's, he's not like again. no he's like no we are not having we are not having a virus that makes everyone old we already did the caveman thing we're not doing this <laughs> we're not doing this guys i'm sorry it doesn't matter okay i'm going to be filling out paperwork for the rest of my life already i don't need it to get shorter <laughs> okay, I will not finish. <laughs> anyway, so General Hammond is like, no, we are, we are like using the Death Star on this virus, like it is done. Um, and so O'Neill gets like a sad goodbye video. Yeah, they kind of do a, they pull a bit of a faint where it looks like they're having a broadcast because at one point. It's, someone's asked to say something and you think it's going to be that they're trying to get Jack to respond, but yeah, very quickly he goes to like rewind the video and you see that it's just the recording that they sent through. Yeah. They don't even get to say a proper goodbye. And he is very bummed about this. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, the, like a bunch of people come in, like the, the Santorini natives start coming in and they start give, praying to Pelops and off, making offerings and, O'Neill finishes. Uh, O'Neill flips his shit. Yeah, he he loses his mind. Um, I, this so all of all of his aging acting, but this scene in particular was incredibly ham and cheese acting. It was. It was, and it you know it's like the the change in mind was very fast. He's like, you know, Pelops views you as slaves. Yeah, I described it as a whiplash turnaround, like. They he talked to a couple of people and they had either completely ignored him or felt a little bit on the fence. And very quickly, like during a temple ceremony, they go from being all on board with Pelops to like tearing down fuck the statue. This guy, tear down the statue. Yeah, like it's Saddam in, Hussein. In <laughs> like three sentences of Jack ranting at them. Yep. It's spectacular. It's one of the best examples of oh shit, we've only got three minutes of screen time left. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And then Jack and Kinthea um, go on a romantic walk after this. So, and this this is so weird. And even the, even at one point, Jack is like, "So you're into older men, huh?" <laughs> and I was just like, "Oh my god!" Like they're I guess they're just fully leaning into this, but it it is just weird. It is just weird. They end up making a fire and they go past where you're supposed to go and they end up not falling asleep. I guess, I guess Richard Dean Anderson like saw Daniel Jackson getting his girl in the caveman episode. It's like, no, hey, where's where's my turn for like a creepy forced relationship? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. Uh, can, can I have like a haunch of meat with this one too? <laughs> yeah. Can I at least sit by a fire? Yep. So... <laughs> So yeah, they uh, um, 
Yeah, so they, they don't fall asleep on their romantic walk, and they head back, and then nobody's woken up even though the sun's come up. Yeah, so um, they comment, like, hang on, it's the night, we're not asleep, and they get back in the day, and everyone's still asleep. So Jack very kind of quickly puts together that there's got to be some kind of signal that's going on where the signal seems to have not affected them at night, and the wake-up signal hasn't happened. So he immediately decides that he needs to call back the team because something's going on. Yeah, he finds a beeping, blinking piece of technology in the statue and is like, ah, aha. What he, what he finds is a device with a capital D. Yes, he does. He finds a device with a capital D and calls back Carter to take a look at it. Um, and so everybody shows back up in hazmat suits. Um, they discover... Uh, that that uh, the nanites are being controlled by a radio frequency, um, and they, you know, use the they use a radio to turn off the nanites. Thinking thinking of Goa old devices, that speaker system over there, I call the Goa old audio device because it's all like pyramid shaped. Like you can kind of see one of the speakers there. It's a little bit pyramid shaped. The subwoofer is like just a pyramid. Yeah. It's just a gray pyramid under there. Yeah, so you got some gold technology uh, in here. You can buy it at Radio Shack. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, so, yeah. Um, you know, every. I mean, there's basically a happy ending here. Jack is going to go back to normal. Uh, I'm I'm kind of surprised that everybody else. Can you imagine if they turned the nanites off and then everybody there turns into a baby? Yeah. So this this scene got me thinking about a couple things. One, the writing felt way too tidy. Like I I I get that you don't want to fuck up your show whenever you write a random episode, but they just they make everything so clean. There's so many messy ways that I could have seen this going. Um, one of which is, um, imagine if there was a Star Trek episode about this. What the plot would almost definitely be is, before they cure it, they find out that if they cure it, everyone else will die prematurely, a.k.a. imminently. And the culture will die. And they have to decide, like, do we, do we save the civilization and destroy its culture and create this discontinuity of like abandoned babies in the process. Yeah. Stargate goes for the magic, it's fixed. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and then we get this touching goodbye from Jack, which also seemed a bit out of character for him. He's like, oh, I'm going to treasure every day. I've learned so much from you. And then they're like, oh, a thousand what did days is almost forever. What did he learn from her? Yeah. Um, I don't know that, you know, his days of dating college-age girls are still not quite uh, <laughs> over yet. <laughs> I mean, that's the only thing I can really think of. I don't feel like she said a lot that was insightful, and I don't no. think he really listened. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it. Um, like, but, whenever, whenever she had something to say about, like, oh, just party and enjoy life, he had something that was at least as insightful, if not more, to say back to that. Yeah, and he was being a super bummer about it. Kind of like you, Val. This is like I mean, his your, being a super bummer, so I figured out the same. You're himself. like you're like Jack Neal. I'm like Val, let's go to Taco Bell and get like and my every 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 different thing. Let's get the chips made out of chicken. 
And you're like, no. Ah, uh, yes, the chicken Val. nuggets. I'm like, Val, I'm like, Val, no, Val, yes, they're chicken nuggets, but they're, they're cool chicken nuggets. Or I'm like, Val, let's get ice cream. You're like, no. That's, and that, I got ice cream anyway. This is what, yeah, because I finally talked some sense into you. Anyway, that was, that's, so I'm like, <laughs> I'm like party girl, and you're like Jack O'Neill, just being <laughs> an ultimate bummer. But when I leave, you're going to remember this. The be ultimate like, bummer. Maybe I should get ice cream every now and again. <sighs> anyway, um... Yeah, SG-1 gets called in to fix the issue, and Sam basically immediately figures out that this device was sending out two different signals. They managed to decode, with Taylor's help, um, information about the frequencies it was using. So there was a, like, go to sleep and age signal for the nanites, and then there was the wake-up signal. So they can manually trigger a wake-up signal to wake up all the villagers. And since this device is damaged, it's not going to continue to damage anyone. Yeah, very convenient. Yeah, very convenient. They have a kind of happy 45-second walk along the beach to wrap up the episode. So everyone's going to keep aging at a normal pace now from their existing age. So they're going to get their thousands of days. It's going to be good. Jack not only is stopped aging abnormally, but in fact... Something, something, only appearances are mimicked. Something, something, everything's reversible. Something, something. Basically, Jack's going to be totally back to normal. Nothing's happened to Jack. I want the scene where the chick he banged turns into a baby. And he has <laughs> and he has to confront that. <laughs> and so... The way they end this episode is an awkward freeze frame that then fades to black. Yeah, that was so weird. Have they ever done that before? This episode has had a lot of cringes. <laughs> and that little bit of production work was one of the worst. Yeah, that was... I. They don't normally do that. That was super weird, I know. Fade... Normal fade to black. Would have been fine. <sighs> I don't know. Yeah, all right, Val. What did you think of this episode? I didn't like it. Um, I'm kind of I'm kind of bouncing around with my opinion now. Like it was, it had its it had its merits. It was a cool concept, but I feel I feel like I'm gonna rate it two goblets of wine. And a broken goblet on the floor. That's the kind of party it is. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to give it one genital wart. (laughs) 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 That's definitely your lowest yet. Yeah, it is. Um, I I think I probably would have given it like two bites of uh edibles <laughs> but actually now that now that we've talked about it i'm just gonna give it one if you know i it, it was it was not good there was nothing really about this episode that was good it didn't i mean it, it attempted to tackle something relatively deep which is like live in the moment and be happy but they didn't they didn't achieve it 
Um, it what there was no like coolness in there. There was no explosions. Uh, like there were a couple of decent teal one-liners, but I don't know. I was not a fan of this episode. Yeah, I think give Tilk another case of Tilk just withholding information that he knows that the team would want. Like he's he's not stupid. He knows that they would want to know about go old instructions in the gate room. Yeah. Even just the existence thereof. Yeah. Not a team player, Tilk. No, I love his answer. You didn't ask. It's always what it is. It's always what it is. I, I do appreciate, like you said, they they always call him out on it with increasing exasperation. It's it's a diegetic problem. Yep. Yep. Alright, did you have a did you have a guy in this in this episode? Um I'm a little bit torn. I kinda wanna say that my guy is Yeah, I I think I think I will go with this. My guy is Jack for how he handled his hangover. His his attitude, his drama. He was he was clearly just kind of hamming it up. He wasn't he wasn't just suffering. He was making sure that everyone knew he was suffering. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I don't know. This is another one where I'm not sure. I'm not sure I actually have a real guy. Um, yeah. I just don't think I have one. I just don't think I have one here. You're majorly bummed by this episode, I guess. I am. I am. I didn't really notice anything uh, cool that was really subtle. Yeah, which is kind of lame. And we haven't incremented any of our running counts, unless we want to start a tilt count. <laughs> this is not the name of a Star Trek episode, and the gang was not kidnapped this time. Yep. Yeah, there you go, I think. Is that, uh, is that it? Um, almost. What are we up for next time? Oh, right. Next time, it. next time is when Teal has to go back uh, to Chulak. Oh, that's a good episode, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I, I remember it fondly. Oh no, Some... it's um, it's not that. It's Thor's hammer. Oh, it's it's Thor's hammer. Okay, I think I I think I like that one too. It's where they get trapped in the cave with the Unos. Yeah, I I don't remember if I liked it much or not. I feel like a lot of the kind of early introducing plot elements episodes flopped. I don't know if that was one of them or not. I guess we're going to find out. Hey, this is Valerie breaking in with a super quick announcement about the show. Uh, in January of this year, I co-founded VaccinateCA.com with a bunch of other really awesome people to help track and share information about the COVID-19 vaccine rollout in California. And as a result of doing that super important work on top of my day job, uh, the hilarious episode editing backlog has gotten a lot taller because editing, as I've complained about before, is very, very time intensive. And ultimately, that work comes first. I think with where things are at right now, I'm probably going to be posting an episode aspirationally every other week. Um, if I post stuff kind of very out of order or it, they go up less often than that, that is why. It's not intended to be the forever erraticness or cadence. Stay safe out there.